the 11th letter. And now he is going to start um, elaborating on the concepts that he had been discussing beforehand in the division of the mitzvot into what he called the Torot, the Mishpatim, the Chukim, right? Which he described as being, some of them being the values that are supposed to be imparted to our lives and some of them as describing the category of mitzvah. So he begins with the Torot. Now, Torot is actually a phrase that we have in the Torah. Torot is the plural of Torah, right? Now, in the Torah, we talk about the Torot that were given to us. Torah itself describes this. The Midrash explains this refers to the oral Torah as well as the written Torah. Rav Hirsch takes this and uses it as a license, but he describes it a little bit in a different vein and then uses it for an overall picture of what it is that has been conveyed to us. The Torot call upon us to take to heart as principles that should govern our lives, the truths revealed by history. Okay? So he understands Torot, not in the context of that verse in the Torah, but rather in the context of, in his system of how to categorize both values and mitzvot. The Torot are the principles that we're able to glean from history. That God is your God, i.e. the guide of your thoughts, feelings, words, and deeds, the mainspring of your whole life, right? This is an important point that he's bringing out over here, right? That what we're saying is, is that Hashem is each of our God. Hashem is not this impersonal God who does not care about what I do as an individual and cares about society. Hashem cares about each of us and has a personal relationship with each of us. That he is one which challenges you to give thought to every aspect of your life and to unite all of your faculties, needs, and circumstances in the service and for the purposes of the one from whom they all derive, right? This is a critical point. This is a critical point that world has been struggling with since forever and it still struggles with today. The idea of that, the, the unity of God, and because of that unity of God, we then have to recognize the elevation that is possible in terms of every aspect of our lives, that there's no dichotomy in life, in the ideal vision, right? There's no dichotomy in terms of we act a certain way here, a certain way there. Uh, in fact, someone actually asked me this week um, about, uh, he wants to know, he wants to start keeping a uh, kosher kitchen. And he told me, he asked a, a different rabbi, can he kosher his kitchen for him? And the rabbi told him, I'm only going to do it on condition that you eat kosher outside of the house also, right? Now I would say in theory, obviously that's a good thing too, but that's, that's a little bit of a big step to ask someone to commit to. And I say, let's, let's make small balanced steps, of course. That being said, what Refresh would say is, of course, there should be no contradiction in an ideal world. In an ideal world, if we believe that this is the correct way of acting in our home, then we believe it's the correct way of acting outside of our home too. If we believe that when we are in the synagogue, we speak a certain way more respectfully to others with a, a greater level of consciousness of other people's feelings, then when we're at the ball game, just because we're booing the player on the other field doesn't mean that we have to lose all civility. Right? That's what Hirsch is talking about, the idea of seeing every part of our life is a unified whole, and there's no part of our life in which would not work with the other parts. That all his creatures are his servants, and you too must join their ranks to labor in his service. That his will was revealed to you for this purpose and for all times, and that your fate too should guide and educate you to this end. So first of all, what we are saying is that God revealed himself to us right, through the Torah for the purpose of joining the ranks of his servants, labor in his service. But also 
that our feet should guide and educate. What does it mean our feet should guide and educate? That means that we should recognize the opportunities in our lives for what they are. The opportunities, I say, both the, the things which are clearly opportunities in our lives, where we have an, a moment to grasp, a moment to say, I'm going to dedicate 10 minutes every day to learn Torah, right? That's a clear opportunity. But I would also say the, the opportunities that seemingly are, are, you know, the difficult moments in our lives that are also opportunities to take this as a corrective device and to take this as a moment to change, let's say, on some level who we are. That the insight gained into God's greatness should lead you to the fear of God, the perception of his kindness to love of God, and the recognition of his faithfulness to trust in God. These are three different ways in which we can relate to God. We can relate to God with fear, with love, and with trust, right? And respect is left out of this, uh, out of this, um, out of this conversation. Um, so yeah, respect is obviously included in fear and love. Now, but these are the things in which we should relate to Hashem. That you are to ennoble your inner life so as to cleanse it of anything that might detract from your holy mission. Divesting yourself of pride and lust, right? So what he means to say is inner life, let's say, I would think that this means to say like your ego, right? So that you have to recognize your inner self, recognize your thoughts, recognize what's really going on, your ulterior motivations, your non-ulterior motivations, right? Everything that we do in life, all of the different elements that come to bear and actually have an impact on our actions and our choices, we should try to cleanse it of anything that might detract from our holy mission. That you are to develop empathy with the pains and joys of all beings and embrace them all with love because they are God's children. This is not limited, by the way, to other humans. He's not, as we learned earlier, he is referring to all beings, right? That anybody who does not, does not feel a sense of empathy with the pains and, and, uh, and also not just the pains, which is one thing, but also with the joys, right? Oftentimes, it's a lot easier for us to feel other people's pain than it is for us to rejoice wholeheartedly when they are in a very happy moment, right? It's, it's just human nature like that. Oftentimes when someone's in a very happy moment, it's very difficult for us, sometimes at least, just to be as happy as we really want to be because there's this niggling jealousy often in life, right? It's easier often to feel pain that someone else is going through, right? Because there's no, there's, you get it, there's a psychological reason for that. But that being said, we are actually supposed to be able to develop empathy. Empathy is not limited to sympathy, compassion when they are feeling pain, but it's also a way of stepping into their shoes, a way of becoming closer with them. The Toros then are but a restatement for practical application of the truths that God reveals to us through his deeds. As principles of action, they are commanded. As ideas, they are merely revealed, not imposed upon us. Whoever desires the truth will accept them. Okay, so this is what he means to say. In terms of an, a specific thing that we are commanded to act, then we're commanded. Anything that anytime the Torah tells us the specific action or even words that we're commanded to say, that's a command. When you try to figure out what the Toros are, as he has described it, the truths that God has conveyed to us through the history of man and through the history of the Jewish people throughout the ages, these are ideas and they are not going to be imposed on us. What he is referring to, the footnote explains, that as opposed to other religions that have dogmas, right? Judaism does not have dogmas per se, right? Even when the Rambam famously, Maimonides makes his restatement of the enlisting of the 13 principles of our faith, it's not dogmatic. And according to many people, they, they 
they have a dispute on the Rambam because they feel that that's not a fair idea to introduce uh, things that are principles that the Rambam would say, if you don't believe this, you are automatically a, a heretic. They did not feel that appropriate because that has never been what Judaism is all about. So the idea of saying the thoughts behind Judaism, that that should be commanded to us, or Hirsch says, I reject that. That is not what's happening here. It is something which Hashem revealed to us, God revealed to us these truths, and it's up to us to determine if we want to accept them or not. If we desire the truth, we will accept them. Let's start the next one, which is Mishpatim. Mishpatim is when he starts talking about not just the, the values that have been imparted throughout the history of the world, but the specific mitzvot that we are supposed to be action, we're supposed to be uh, acting upon now because of these truths that have been revealed to us. All these insights, however, are of value only if you truly lived your life according to what you, as man and Israelite in God's world, with your God-given powers, have recognized. The first requirement is, therefore, that you practice justice. Respect every being in your surroundings, as well as everything within yourself, as a creation of your God. So this is a practical mitzvah. This is not a hypothetical and abstract idea. This is when you interact with others, you need to respect them. Respect them for what they are, a creation of God. Respect whatever is theirs as given to them by God or as having been acquired according to divinely sanctioned law. Let them keep or have whatever they are entitled by right to call their own. Do not be a source of harm to others. Okay. So first what he brings out is in terms of the, the, uh, the negative aspects. In other words, in terms of what you need to refrain from so as to ensure that you are not disrespecting people by taking something that belongs to them, whether it, they were given to them or whether it's something that they have acquired throughout their life. Make sure that they get to keep that item. That is the first aspect in terms of the refraining from negative behavior. Tomorrow, we're going to continue with the other elements of, of the positive actions with which we should interact with others and make the world a better place. Okay, take care, everyone. Be well. Good night.